0: Well, if you have your Bibles, turn to Romans chapter 8, verse 29. Romans chapter 8, verse 29. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. This morning, what I want to talk to you about uh, is the firstborn. That's what I titled the message. I want to read the scripture one more time. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. So, what did it mean to be the firstborn? <clears throat> You know, back in Old Testament times, especially the the firstborn had a special place in the family, uh, and oftentimes the firstborn was not necessarily the first one to be born. It was sometimes uh, overlooked in in some ways because the firstborn was a chosen one. It was it was someone that was preferred above others, and and to give you an example of that you can look at Esau and. Uh, Jacob, you can see that Esau was actually the first one that, that came came from the womb. He was the first one to enter into this world, but because he sold his birthright to Jacob, Jacob became the one that was preferred, and he became the one that that the the lineage of Christ came through. You know, so there was special privilege, and, and many times the firstborn was was the one that became the priest of his family. Now, y'all listen to everything I'm telling you today because there is a lot of significance in everything I say. <clears throat> the firstborn held a special leadership position in the family. He was the one, you know, you can look at royalty and see evidence of this. You know, it's the, it's the firstborn son that is entitled to the throne when his father dies. It's the firstborn son that receives, in Old Testament times, a double portion of the inheritance. So they had a very special role to be the firstborn. Now this scripture we just read is, is talking about Jesus as the firstborn. Christ, being the firstborn after His resurrection, holds that same position. What does that mean for us? It means he's our elder brother. It means that he's appointed by God to have authority over everything. Now think about that for a minute. You know, we can't really say that he's going to take God's place when he dies because God is eternal. But where is he at today? The Word tells us that he's at the right hand of the Father making intercession for you and me. Why is he at the right hand? Because the the right hand has always symbolized power. You know, there is a place in the Word where, (coughs) I believe it was, let me make sure I remember this right, (coughs) Jacob brought his oldest and youngest to Israel, who was Isaac before then. And he he positioned these boys so that the the oldest, the firstborn, was going to be on Isaac's right hand, and he positioned the youngest so that he's going to be on his left hand because the like I said, the right hand always symbolized power because most people are right-handed and that's the hand you use the most. It's the strongest hand, so that's what it symbolized. And at this time. It was Manasseh and Ephra- Ephraim. God spoke to Israel and said, change your hands. And He crossed His hands and He put His right hand upon Ephraim and His left hand upon Manasseh because Ephraim was going to be the one, like I said earlier, that, that the, His bloodline is where Christ came from. And because He was to be preferred above others. He was the chosen one. He was the the one that should have this position over his brothers, even though he was the youngest. Now, where am I going with this today? Well, I want you to understand something, not only about Jesus' role and his position, but I want you to also understand something about your role. Colossians 1 and 18 says, And He is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things He might have the preeminence. And it's talking about Jesus. <clears throat> but I want you to also see that the Scripture will tell you that the church is also called the firstborn. Why is it? Well, something I didn't tell you all ago, is that the firstborn in Old Testament times, God said, the firstborn belongs to Me. He said, the firstborn is Mine. And if you want it back, you've got to redeem it with a sacrifice. You've got to offer a payment for it because it belongs to Me. So what they would do is when when the firstborn son came into existence, they would offer a calf as sacrifice and payment for him. Otherwise, they would have to sacrifice that son. Now, I don't think anybody probably ever did that. But if you look back at Abraham and Isaac, you'll see that that God laid the foundation for that right there. Do you know that Isaac was not the firstborn of Abraham... But he was the firstborn in these terms that we're talking today because he was the chosen one. Ishmael came from somebody else. But Isaac was the one that was, that God had promised. He was the child of promise. He was the one that, that, that God said, through him, I am gonna bless you. I'm gonna, I'm gonna provide for your family. I'm gonna increase your numbers. It's through Him that, that this is going to happen. So He was the firstborn. And what happened? God said, you need to go offer Him as a sacrifice. Now we all know how that story goes. God provided a, a ram in place of Him. But you look at, at us. We're the firstborn. The church is the firstborn. We were redeemed with a sacrifice. Now y'all hear what I'm saying today. Understand this. We're redeemed with a sacrifice. The sacrifice was Jesus Christ. And all of these things, you can look at all these different examples I'm giving you and you'll start to see that, that God is the same always. He never changes. He, these principles He gave to people in Old Testament times, He still uses them today. They may look a little different on the outside, but when you begin to see that that God doesn't change, it ought to increase your faith. You ought to see that just because he blessed somebody back then don't mean he can't bless you too. We were redeemed with the sacrifice. The word calls us a royal priesthood. I told you a while ago that the firstborn is where the priest came from. We're a royal priesthood. 1 Peter 2 and 9 says, But you are a chosen generation. What did I tell you all ago? The firstborn was chosen. They're preferred above others. A royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that you should show forth the praises of Him who hath called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. You could also call the church the spiritual Israel. Now listen, Israel was God's chosen nation. They were the firstborn. I'm not just making this stuff up. You can find it in the Bible, I promise you. It's there. This is all symbolic. It all means something. Israel was the chosen nation. It was God's chosen nation. But listen, just like any other time, you can look at um, oh, what was his name? Reuben. Reuben was the firstborn I believe of Jacob. If I remember right. But because of Reuben's sin that position that he held was taken away from him and given to somebody else. Because of The sin in his life. Now you look at the nation of Israel, which the nation of Israel we see today geographically is not necessarily what we're talking about the nation of Israel. But you look at the Israelites as they came out of bondage and you look through the pages, you'll see nothing but rebellion against God. Even though they were God's chosen nation, His chosen people the ones that that we would call today the firstborn, because of their sin, their rebellion against God, He called them a stiff-necked people. He's taken that inheritance, that position of leadership, that royal priesthood, and He's given it to somebody else. He's given it to us, those that, that have accepted Jesus as the Son of God because they rejected Him. Listen. They rejected the sacrifice. They rejected the principle that God had laid down that that they had to be redeemed with a sacrifice. They rejected it, but we didn't. Amen. So that means we're the spiritual Israel because this this new life that we live is a spiritual life. We're the we're now the firstborn. We're the chosen and there's certain certain uh, responsibilities that come with that. You know, sometimes sometimes we kind of put this thing called Christianity at a lower level than it ought to be. And I want to explain what I mean by that. The Scripture we just read said that God predestined us. He He knew us. He chose us before we were ever created. Before we ever came into this world, He decided that I was going to be a child of God. Now listen, you can think what you want to about that. You We can get into all the details about, well, what about everybody else? But I want you to understand that God chose me. He chose you. Now that's an honor. That that is something... Listen, we were chosen to be His firstborn. The, The ones that are to be entitled to that position of leadership. The ones that are entitled to that double portion of inheritance. The ones that are chosen to be a royal priesthood. He chose us. He picked us out of the litter. Now... That doesn't mean that people that have lived most of their life in sin can't still come into the kingdom of God because He may still have chosen them. We don't know. That's not for us to decide whether they were chosen or not. God knows. So there's no reason to stop praying for somebody to come into the kingdom. There's no reason that we shouldn't continue to, to offer up our prayers to God on behalf of others. You know, this morning in Sunday school, I tried to stay as quiet as I could because I didn't want to get into my message, but we were all over it. Moses interceded for the Israelites. You know, the point in time when they built this golden calf, and he came down, and, you know, God said that, his anger was hot. against He, he, was, he was just wanting to destroy him. God just had had enough. He was ready to just wipe them off the face of the earth. And Moses said, no, don't do that now. He said, you brought us out into the desert. Surely you didn't do that to just destroy us. Moses began to intercede for them. Now listen. Moses was that, that priest. He, he held that position that you now hold. Now, understand what I'm telling you. He held the position that you now hold. And you may think, now I don't in any way compare to Moses. I don't in any way, uh, have a, a position of leadership, but I want you to see that, that there are plenty of people out there doing things they shouldn't be doing. And today, they need somebody to intercede for them. They need somebody to step in and 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 go to God on their behalf because they're not in a position to do it for themselves. Do you know that that God could have, with one stroke, just wiped Israel off the map? But because a godly man pleaded with god you know we talked about in sunday school that it wasn't because of moses didn't go to god saying how how righteous he was or how good he had been or any, he didn't do any of that he just said god look i know they've done wrong but just have mercy on them you understand i know you probably all know this but that that's how you're that's how you're saved is by grace and mercy. It ain't got nothing to do with what you what you're doing or or how good you can be. It's it's because God just decides I'm just gonna allow this one to go. I'm gonna allow you to come into my kingdom because of his grace and mercy. What does all this mean? Well, it means that like I said earlier, we have a responsibility. We have a responsibility as the firstborn. Now you know, we can't choose to shuck that responsibility. Many people did it. It's all recorded in Scripture. You can see there was many people, whether, whether directly or indirectly, they chose to not have that position. We can choose today that we don't... We don't want that responsibility. We don't want to be a royal priesthood. We don't want to be the leadership in the absence of our Father. We don't want to be the one that intercedes on their behalf. What's Jesus doing? He's interceding on our behalf. He's he's at the right hand of his father, saying, God, don't don't do that. I know they deserve it. But just have mercy and grace on them. Man, that will tell you something. Listen, we're supposed to be Christ-like. We're supposed to be like Him. We ought to be emulating Him in every way we can. And just the same way that He's He's at the right hand of the Father saying, God, don't don't punish them. I know they deserve it. I know everything they've done. Your your justice is, is correct. But just have mercy and grace on them. You know, when was the last time you prayed for somebody and said, God, I know they deserve it, but just have mercy and grace on them. Just show them mercy and grace. Listen, that's how we ought to be going to God for people. Man, there's people in this world that just, they don't have a hope. They don't know where to turn. They know they need something, but they'll try to find anything else they can. And at this point in time, they may not realize the thing they need is God. And they've done everything to deserve eternal punishment and eternal death. But we're too busy to go to God and pray for them. We're, we're too unconcerned because we're concerned about ourselves so much that we don't have time to offer up some intercessory prayer for somebody. You know, I quoted a scripture earlier that says, "...the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much." That I believe that is a perfect picture of what Moses did. Moses began to offer up an effectual, fervent prayer before God. He went to the throne of grace and said, God, listen, I know they've done wrong, but give them another chance. Show them some mercy and grace. You know, God shows me mercy and grace every day. I guarantee you before this day is over, I'll do something I shouldn't have done. I guarantee you I'm going to let somebody down. And God, in His perfect just nature has every right to just slay me down where I'm at. But because because I've been bought with a price, I've been redeemed with a sacrifice, because I am now part of a royal priesthood, His mercy and grace covers all my sin. Do you all understand that? Do you understand what your position is as a Christian? It's not just fire insurance to get you get you out of what you deserve. It's, it's bringing you into a place that also you can help other people. That firstborn position was a position of honor. You know, they even said it special places when they went to sit around the table to eat, the firstborn had a, had a very special position. It influenced their entire life. It had an impact on their entire family based upon who was the firstborn. You know, if, if the wrong one was chosen, it had a, a bad impact. If the wrong one was selected to be the firstborn of the family, it had a negative impact on them. But listen, all you've got to remember is that God is the one that chose you. He has infinite wisdom. He has infinite knowledge. He knew what He was doing when He selected you. He didn't just go around drawing straws or or playing uh, any, many, many, mo. He knew what He was doing when He designed you and selected you and made you into what you are. And then He gave you the opportunity to come to Him. He selected you with His infinite wisdom. Now, it's up to you to decide, am I going to live up to what I was chosen for? Am I going to fulfill the responsibility that's been laid upon me? You know, we don't have to do it. We can choose to just be lazy and, and uh, self-centered and self-pleasing. But that is obviously not what God would intend. The priest represented the people before God. Jesus is our high priest, and I've already told you that. But understand that even though you may not be a preacher, or you may not be quote-unquote a priest in this culture, it's your job, it's your responsibility to represent other people before God. That's a big responsibility. It's a big challenge, because you know, it seems like uh, it seems like the, the best times that I hear from God, the best times that, that uh, I feel God move is when I'm interceding for other people. So listen, God does not take those kind of things lightly. When you go to Him on behalf of other people, I guarantee you He hears, He listens, He He perks up and says, "Oh, wait a minute, I've got somebody praying for somebody besides herself," because that is the nature of Jesus. That's that's it. That's everything that He's about. Is, is other people. What did he say the greatest commandment was? He said to love others as you love yourself. That's what we ought to be focused on as Christians. That's where we ought to be building our life is, is looking out for others. Because they're in a situation where they can't do it for themselves.